Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your hosts, Tim Pecoraro and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we're glad you could join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So yo, we're at episode 65. We are. This is a six and a five combined to make 65. Correct. I like Not that 11. you use the word yo, because that's how I've been responding to your text Yeah, lately. you have been. You have been texting like yo, and I'm thinking like, wow. You're like, hey, and I'm like, yo. Yeah, you're like, yo, you're coming back. You're just kind of getting this new thing, this new like, yeah. It's, like, like, it's like I'm in eighth grade again, so that's when yo was popular. Was it? Yeah. And you're tickled by this. No, so okay, so we had for our basketball uniforms, because I used to play basketball, because I'm so tall, I was a point guard, by Shaq, the way. hold yeah. on a second, Shaquille. <laughs> yeah. No, you're like shorter than Spud Webb. I don't know who that is. Okay, look it up. Okay. When you have some time. So, but our basketball uniforms, they actually were black and white. And this is when it was cool to wear black tennis shoes and black socks. So, we had a white shirt and black that's pants. That's not cool now? It, well. You can. You can do what you want. No, you can. But that's when like black athletic socks and black. I mean, Lady Gaga wears a meat suit. That's true. <laughs> so you're telling me you can't wear black No, but, okay, so but our shirts sneakers. and our shorts, they had this big, it said, yo, really big. And then inside the O, it said, by the time you read this, we will have scored on you. And we thought it was so cool. Oh, my. Do you still have that shirt? <laughs> no, it probably fit if I did. Because <laughs> I haven't grown much since then. But, uh, okay, before we get to the episode, I have a question. Let's do this. I have so many good questions. Um, you get to have one found. today. I know, I know. Okay. All right, Tim, mm. who or where would you haunt if you were a ghost? You. <laughs> <laughs> you just mess with me, wouldn't you? you I would. I would just be, yeah, what I would do, okay, so here's, this is who I would haunt, you, and why. Okay. What I would do is I would go and delete, like, a ghost, like, you would leave your computer somewhere, I would delete things off your calendar. Oh, my God. You'd come back and go, I know that was on there. And then because it's like push notification, it would sync to your phone, they'd be gone. And you would not know what to do at oh all. Gosh. You'd be so angry. You would ruin my life. I live and die by my calendar. But that's the whole point. You asked about haunting. Would that not, isn't that yeah. scary? I mean, I guess if you're going to be a mean spirit. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> if I'm haunting, wouldn't I be mean anyways? I guess. What good spirit haunts? Well, I mean, don't you all don't if a spirit is aren't don't you haunt no matter what? No, that's not a haunting. What's the definition of haunt? I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up. Can we? No, you can do that. <laughs> We're gonna look up the definition of haunt, and I'm gonna play a little music while you do it. <laughs> okay. Do 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 do. Are you there yet? Do, <laughs> no. Do. We, no, we need to have this because no, for real. The I just don't think a good spirit would haunt somebody. So if I was going to haunt somebody, I'm just going to haunt. And so because what's fresh on my mind is the the 
Well, no, which is so, better because my calendar. So haunt is just it what? of a ghost manifests itself at a place regularly. So appear in, materialize in, a ghost haunts this house. So it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just being present is haunting. Uh, mine would have to be definitely be malicious then towards your calendar <laughs> because so even though it's good or bad, I okay, would I just want to get that clear. And so so but the only reason like I'm sure there's other people I could haunt. Right. <laughs> but it's just that's fresh for me because it's like like I could literally be like, I don't know, like in the middle I could even be talking to you. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm getting like while I'm holding my phone in my hand, it's going <laughs> And I look and I'm like, oh my And literally I look, it'll be like 17 <laughs> Like in your inbox on your calendar It'll be like 17 items And here's the thing about it It's just, I hit mostly okay <laughs> I don't even look at them, I just go, okay No, okay, don't. okay. Megan changed, Megan deleted, okay, okay Moved, okay. okay, I mean that's what I do I just go, okay, okay And then you'll ask me if I looked at them, I go, yeah I looked, I, I saw them <laughs> Alright, well thanks Good answer <laughs> so if all of a sudden your calendar starts messing up, you need to immediately pick up the phone, call me, and see if I'm around. Make sure you're yeah. still on. Where this are you? Earth. Where are you? Where are you at right now? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, so we have a great guest on the show this week, Jonathan Parker. He is a thought leader and influencer who uh, created. He's created actually a couple different uh, companies and businesses. The one we talk about most is Art of the Conversation, and he just really talks about this lost art of people just sitting across the table from one another and engaging in authentic, real conversation. Yeah, and he gets into the mechanics of it and some of the details, which I think is very helpful. He's very good at painting a great word picture, you know, mm -hmm. so you that you can understand and, you know, um, and just how he leads you into that. And I agree with him, you know, that that's, you know me, that that's one of my favorite things to do is be able to like sit and like, like really communicate, not, I don't like any surface communication. And I like the communication when it gets tough. Mm -hmm. But most people will end up getting defensive or maybe sometimes they overreact or they just assume that this is what you're doing because you're challenging them not to a fight. You're challenging them to talk. Right. And like, let's get into this. Let's you really understand and understand each other. And like, you know, and that's where the difficulty because we get frustrated mm -hmm. because we won't take the time to really view our words as art, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, I, I really I mean, it was great. And then he and I connected and. Um, we're like, we're like different color twins. <laughs> you are. You guys are very, very similar. Uh, and I, I, I think just a couple tidbits about Jonathan that we didn't talk about in the podcast is he actually, uh, he's doing this whole thing. He does speaking and all this, but he actually didn't speak until he was almost five years old. So he, in his uphill words of wisdom that we've been starting to share on social media. So check that out. If you haven't seen it yet, um, he calls himself an outlier. And I just think he's got a really interesting view of the world and, um, he's just making an impact check out those words of wisdom it is like it's a snapshot it's mm -hmm. like here's the guest here are their words of wisdom mm -hmm. here are three nouns that describe them you know so we give that we share that and it's a way for you all that are listening to be able to go and check them out see mm -hmm. their resources or even get some tidbits of inspiration so it's it's a great idea and mm -hmm. megan has been championing this with um john 
um, who was on one of our podcasts mm-hmm. way back and putting this together. And it is just a great tool. And we just really hope it's another resource uh, to you as a listener. Yep. So uh, go and find that. And also remember to connect with us. You can find us on Twitter at Uphill Convo. You can find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations, and also on Instagram. And also remember, you can always connect with us on our website, uphillconversations.co. And you can email Tim or me, uh, Megan at uphillconversations.co or Tim at uphillconversations.co. All right, so stop delaying everybody, Megan. <laughs> Let's jump into this conversation. What? 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 Pause, oh, sorry. Pause, pause button. Never mind. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. So let's jump into this conversation with Mr. Jonathan Hucker. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. It is so wonderful to have you with us here today. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world? Well, it's great to be with you. My name's Jonathan Parker, and I am involved in all the things that I like to do. So I have three main focuses. I'm on staff at Fellowship Greenville, which is a church over on Highway 14. If you know where Hans and Franz is, it's right around that corner. I'm the director of city involvement there, which means I get to help build bridges from the church into the community. I'm also the CEO and founder of All Good Things, which is a nonprofit that houses Gospel on Tap, which is a gathering for men, and Hymns and Hops, which is an amazing gathering for people of all ages and families to come together, sing old hymns and drink beer, whatever your choice is that evening. And then I'm also the creator of the Art of the Conversation Culture and Leadership Training, which I've been walking businesses and nonprofits and one-on-one coaching through for the last 18 months. Awesome. And of all those things, what would you be the most excited about to tell our listeners about? Probably the art of the conversation. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about that. The art of the conversation is based on the idea that we're all artists. Now, I did horrible in art class. Miserable. Mrs. Sautel was my art teacher, and I was so bad that I had permission to use the people to my right and left to actually do major parts of my art project. (laughs) (laughs) This is really depressing. The The first art project was I had to write my name and all of the things that like describe me so first off i didn't have a name like jill or bob right i had jonathan so i had all these letters to fill and i got to the j and i think the i think the the line in the j was a basketball hoop and when i brought it up to show my art teacher she was she was dumbfounded with how little it resembled a basketball hoop so she said well let hannah do that for you oh wow so I went back and Hannah raced it. Hannah did it. And then I did the O. And that's how it went. Well, let Hannah do that for you. So I'm a terrible uh, artist. But what I realized was as I went through life that actually I am an artist. And I use my words to create art. And, and our conversations are our, our, our artwork. So um, when we talk to one another, what I say creates an image in your mind. It's a portrait. And the art of the conversation says, what, what would happen if everybody took their artwork seriously? What would happen to our community, our culture, our relationships, our friends, if we thought about our words, our conversations, like creating artwork? Would we be proud of the artwork in which we just created? Would we want to hang that in a gallery for everybody to see? And for most people, the answer is no. They handle artwork like throwing paint against the canvas rather than thinking about it. And culture and politics and government display that all the time. Just go to Twitter. So 
the art of the conversation allows us to be able to consider well and learn well how we can create remarkable vocal art. And I love doing that. I'm a big words person. So she'll tell you like, I'll, if I see people using them incorrectly or when they're communicating and, and we all do this, you know, you, when you get to the, I don't know, I don't know. It's because you're not allowing yourself to tap into the genuine desire to really help someone understand, you, you know what I mean? Yep. And, um, and I love, you know, I'm a big metaphor guy and word pictures. I was always that way. And when I was a kid, I would read things and my little mind goes into this day. Like it's like a pop-up book when I read it, I can, you know, if I can move it and do whatever. And, um, I love that about, you know, helping people, you know, create these masterpieces mm -hmm. of on, on canvases, but it's, it's just in the, it's in the ear space, you right. know what I mean? Yep. But ear, the, the hearing though, it moves, you know, um, I know that you're a believer, so that's a gate. You have ears. That's like yeah. a gate into mm -hmm. who you are as a person. Right. Um, and it would be interesting if people could see the things that are piled up into uh, on that gate, you right. know what I mean? Or what's, as you said, hanging on that wall. Um, I have a, a lyric in a song where I talk about, I'm an impressionist because mm -hmm. I can't make many fine lines. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I wish I could gesso it again and start over with a new impression. Right. And I feel like when it comes to conversation, do you see you do you see yourself helping people do that? Because sometimes that's what we feel like impressionists. We have enough dots and stuff to know we're trying to make a bouquet. Right. Right. But then how do we really get into the more definition part of it? But we don't have to be the most eloquent or the most, you know, brilliant or anything. How do you when you're doing that with people, do you help them with that regessoing and understanding that? Hey, you can reshape this. You can work on this again. Well, that and, and that's a great question. That's that's the biggest the biggest hindrance or hurdle for people is realizing that an artist is in essence not accountable to the viewer of that art. Hmm. So when a painter or a poet or a sculptor or a musician sits in a studio by themselves, initially at their raw level, they're creating artwork for themselves. They create music for themselves. So when I'm speaking to people, whether it's a group of people or one-on-one -on -one coaching, the first thing we talk about is curiosity, right? The canvas right. of all of our artworks is curiosity. And the first thing is, is giving permission to be curious again. Right. To say, hey, it's okay not to know something. Hey, it's okay to ask questions about something. Hey, that, that's okay for you to step out in a vulnerable position and say, hey, I'm curious about this. But in that ear gate, we're so used to people telling us what we're supposed to think, telling us what we're supposed to believe, that we end up just being counterfeit artists. Yeah, We end up just saying what we've heard, whether right. it's from the news or from the radio or you know from happy hour with some of our buddies. It's We don't have the margin and we don't have the permission to be curious so what goes in our ear ends up coming out of our mouths without much thought, mainly because we don't have enough time to think about it. Right. But two, we're conditioned. We're conditioned to all fit a pattern of artwork. Right. Um, there's not a lot of unique and truly distinctive artwork being created in conversations because we spend most of our time parroting somebody else. Right. Right. So when you're working with a group of people or when you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, how do you help them discover what they actually do believe? Do believe in essence of who they are or do believe about what they're doing? I think both. I mean, so if, if we're going through and we're talking about 
the the big problem is you know people don't have enough margin to actually know what they believe or they're just really um, absorbing different things and they're becoming really a chameleon out in the world. They're just right. saying what other what they think other people want them to hear, or what mm-hmm. they think other people expect from them. So how do you get past that initial thing? Because I think so many so many people are in that spot and they might not even realize it. So how do you help them become more aware of that and really dig in to figure out what is it that they actually believe about themselves and about the external? Yeah. And and I think those are the two pieces. So thanks for clarifying it. One is, do they believe in what they're doing? Two, do they believe in who they are? And most of the time, if they don't believe in who they are, they're going to be doing a bunch of different things. You know, so I do three things broadly, right? But I love those things, but that doesn't make up who I am. It it comes from who I am, but it doesn't identify as who I am. There are things that help describe me a little bit. But for people who don't believe who they are or know who they are, they're going to try to do, 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 and hoping that in the doing, they'll figure out their being. So one of the ways that when I'm working with people is I'll have them list everything they do, like especially if they're really confused or there's a lot of brain junk in there. They're like, I'm terrible at communicating. I'm terrible at asking questions. I'm even a worse listener. I'm exhausted all the time. Okay, let's get as much of the doing on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper. Because the doing is going to help me, one, realize what are you trying to tap into? But two, once we get it out of your brain, I think we were talking about this Mm -hmm. a few days ago. Once you get it out of your brain onto a piece of paper, now I'm able to work through the being piece. And ask, like, what drove you to do this? How did you end up doing this? So I I don't talk to people much about their doing, whether it's their job or their hobbies or things they like to do with their family or friends. I'm really interested in, is that coming from a place of knowing who you are? Or are you trying to find who you are in the doing? So when I'm working with someone on the the being piece of who they are, when when I'm helping them self-reflect and look internally... That's a scary place for most people because they haven't thought about it. Right. They haven't, in essence, ever been given, you know, a pencil or a pen and say, hey, write your story first. Like, have a conversation with yourself. Are you are you even content with the conversations and the artwork you're creating with yourself? Mm-hmm. Sadly, most people, when they have a conversation with themselves, it's negative. They're name calling themselves. They're reminding themselves of all of their failures. They're projecting, right, what they think other people think about them on themselves. So for most people, when I'm talking about creating beautiful artwork with coworkers and family members, they don't even create beautiful artwork with themselves. Right. So an artist or conversationalist, a human being who is so hard on themselves, so judgmental of themselves, so demeaning of themselves, so dismissive of themselves, when they create artwork for themselves that looks like that, why would we expect them to create something publicly that's any different? So when I'm trying to explore that, I want to hear the artwork they create for themselves. What's in their, what I call their private gallery? What's in their private gallery? Right. There's, um, you know, I like to encourage people to say, you know, work doesn't, you don't exist because of work. Work exists because of you. Mm You know, that's the order of the way the universe was designed and created. It we're the ones that we're the engineers. It's the it's the human in the innovation. Right. It's you know, it's the I it's the I and the human of it. Right. It gets to our unique DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a thing that I was hung on for a while, but you know, ninety nine point nine percent of our DNA is exact. Right. All of us. 
but 0.1% is unique to you. It's where your unmistakable genius lives and resides. Right. Unfortunately, we ignore it because it's too easy for us to tap into what everybody else says should be our design, the way we should do it. Right. A person in college. Right now, mo ask a lot of young female college grads, and right now a lot of people, are you getting married? Are you, like, this right. is like, you know, you and that guy, or you guys, you know, or whoever your partner is, whatever. It, it, that's where we're we're kind of motivated to move in these directions. Right. There's so much pressure that we actually what's it's what's interesting is we're cooking out all the flavor. Yeah. You know, when you know when you put, you know, steam is important. Right. When people don't understand when they lift the lid and oh, they're yeah. cooking some sort of vegetable or something they want to be rich and flavorful, that's they're releasing the flavor in the steam. Yep. And I believe like what you're talking about, that's what a lot of people are doing. They're being buried the pressure of all they're doing to try to keep up, put something out there to try to figure out who they are through what it is that they're doing. If they would really just realize it's already in me, it's baked in. Exactly. It's already inside if I would take the time, as you said, and write it out. You know, I, I try to get people all the time, what are all the things you're doing? Write them out. And then I want to know, why are you doing those? Mm -hmm. Answer the question. Yep. You know, we recently spoke with someone who went through a bad situation and it was over money even. And there was a bad situation and some money issues were happening or they needed a certain amount of money, but then something crisis happened and then the money didn't matter anymore. Mm -mm. Why does it take tragedy for money? To, you know what I mean? Right. It takes a crisis for it to like, you know what I mean? Yep. To say now it doesn't matter. Now it doesn't matter. But when you, when you had something and you can make an adjustment, think differently, start living into this world of your art and what you do right. from your private gallery of knowing who you are right. and then bringing that out into the world, that's where the difference is. And, the, and the, isn't that where the closest friends we have, right? The closest friends are the ones we let into our private gallery. Like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. But most people don't get that deep, though. Have you noticed people don't choose that inner circle circle well? No. Because most of the time, the friends that you're letting in, they're kind of like, yeah, if you like that, how do you feel? Right. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you exactly. notice there's not enough pressure applied the right way to get a person, to someone to look at you and go, why? Why is that the answer? Exactly. And that, I think, comes because they're so focused on doing yeah. Uh, I heard a, a quote or an, an analogy at one point when someone said, you are the average of your five closest friends. Mm -hmm. And I think friends is such a loose term at that point. Yeah, Facebook. You're, yeah, Facebook. <laughs> so you're actually just the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah. And most of those people are based on doing. My closest friends don't help me at all in business or work. I mean, I guess tangentially they do, right. but they're not a stepping stone. They're not a, a contact. They're my friends. Yep. They're the ones who, when I'm having a bad day or I'm having a great day, they're the ones I want to call. When I know I need something, they're the ones I want to call. When I have a free night, they're the ones I want to hang out with. So one, the pressure is, hey, surround yourself with networkers and people that you can build connections with and people that are going to help you get out. So even in our doing, we, we're not looking for depth. We're looking for width and right. we're willing to drop or cut with the moment, you know, we're growing somewhere else. And also part of that, I think, comes from prescribed authenticity. Oh, yeah. Right? Hey, be authentic as long as you fit a category that I like. Yeah. Right. Um, be authentic as long as I can peg you. Yeah. Be authentic as long as you fit and fill in the blank. Yeah. So it's prescribed. Yeah. It's not true authenticity. Right. It's like happiness lives here. As long as it's in here. As long as it's in here. That's what a lot of people say is like, we're fine, we're happy, just stay here. Right. As long as you're in this, there's nothing wrong. Right. If you come over here, well, yeah, there's something wrong. So why don't you get back in here? <laughs> and when I ask people, so tell me, what makes you you? Yeah. What makes you you? 
they, and I had to do the same thing very much with like some of the questions that I was asked, like what makes me, me not vocational me, Mm -hmm. but me. I mean, I took some time to think about it. Some people have never even been asked that question. Mm -hmm. And they go through, they go through elementary school. They go through high school. They go through college, all being told who you are. Oh, you're a great quarterback. You're a great athlete. You should play football. You throw the, okay. You're a football player. Right. And then in high in college, what are you? Oh, I'm a business major. Okay. So you're a business major. Okay. Now you're getting married. Now you're a husband or now you're a wife, right? You're, you're all of these things. And then at 28, 29, then they're like, so what do you want to do with life? Well, you haven't asked me that for 29 years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you mean I got to figure that out yeah, right and now? And you're showing up right now. <laughs> and then our poor millennials, right? Our poor young professionals are getting dinged for not knowing what they want to be. Right. Yeah. Where they've been told what they are their whole life. Their yeah. Whole life. Yeah. This is who you are is what you do. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I really believe that that is, that's a big challenge. And we, we hear that a lot in the different guests that we talk to. And some are in their late 20s, some get to their 30s, their 40s, and all of a sudden they're sitting there going, I have everything that I was supposed to have that everyone has said is the thing. You know, I, I went to school, I got the job, I rose in my career, I got married, I have children, but something is missing. And I think it's really hard because like we've talked about this whole idea of not having margin and being so busy, it, w- nobody ever takes the time to think about it and ask those right. questions. So how do you think, uh, what do you think we need to do to start changing that? I mean, that's a big question, right? right. Because that's, it's not, how do we change the way that, that we're doing things? But I, I mean, you have kids, I have kids, Tim has kids. I mean, what can we do even in our own circles and even in our own homes to try to change that? What are some, what are some thoughts you have? So I believe that everybody universally shares the same two deepest desires, which are the opportunity to communicate and the respect to be heard. I I don't, it doesn't matter what age you are, where you're from, what language you speak. I believe everyone across this planet wants the opportunity to communicate the respect to be heard. My grandmother's over 90, battling a lot of physical ailments, right? Uh, severe arthritis, her brain's starting to kind of slip a little bit, obviously, because she's over 90, mm-hmm. whose brain doesn't. Yeah. And what does she want from her grandkids and her kids and her great-grandkids? She wants the opportunity to communicate to them. But because she's older and things are a little more slow, she not only just wants the opportunity to communicate, but she wants the respect to be heard. Okay, now, like, my one-year-old son, Zion, right? He wants the same thing. He wants the opportunity to communicate and the respect to be heard. Unlike grandma, his brain's going a million miles a minute, mm-hmm. and the only way he knows how to communicate is he's going to scream, it's gonna come out, yeah. right? And he's going to continue to scream until we give him the respect to hear him. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that I think are sadly missing in life conversations relationships taking time to give people the opportunity to communicate. That fulfills one of their desires. But giving them the respect to be heard mm-hmm. fulfills the other one. So I'm I'm literally sitting here thinking about social media because right. it, obviously there has just been a huge impact on culture and the world because of social media. I mean, there are studies that have been done that show the way that we even communicate or respect other people or interact with other people, they've drastically changed because social media at its outset gave us this ability to kind of be behind the mask and there's a separation. So I can say whatever I want to because you're not in front of me. And maybe whether I know you or not, I still have the ability to tell you what I think about you. Um, And what's happened is that's now bled into our 
interpersonal interactions. Right. So the way that people treat service workers, the crazy stuff that's happened in the airports and all those sorts of things. So it's this really interesting juxtaposition because everyone is talking. Everyone is, has so much to say. And they're just, like you said, throwing it against a canvas, right? right? Splattering paint on a canvas. But really, is anyone actually being heard? And if you really did take the time to listen to all those things, I think it, I mean, where would that even leave us? Right. And that, and that goes to your point and even to your question, where does it start? We have to reestablish the art of the conversation. It's a lost skill. Mm -hmm. It's a lost ability. There's this element of if opportunity to communicate was being fulfilled on social media, you wouldn't be wondering how many people liked it or reshared it. Because you'd just be content that I had the opportunity to communicate. But what we're realizing is, as much as I enjoy social media and use it based on how much I can and understand, it doesn't fulfill the desire to communicate. I still need the personal one-on-one. I still need to be able to talk to someone and watch their body language. Because I think we understand that that is a form of communication, but it's not a conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I have some friends that say, hey, let's start the conversation online. And I get what they mean, but that's not a conversation. No. It's a bunch of monologues that mm-hmm. people are, in essence, judging and critiquing. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you really want to have a conversation, ask those same group of people to show up at a coffee shop and chat, and, and you'll be all alone. Mm-hmm. You'll be all alone. And so. Yeah, I think, a, a, and I love the idea, well, it's not an idea, it's a principle, I think, is in true connection. If you really want to have a good relationship, it is it is communication. Everything is communicated. Mm-hmm. You know, eyes, hands, you know, movement, whatever. But all the body language, all the things. Things that even the FBI and CIA pay attention to right. when they're trying to get to the truth of something. Right. And most people don't communicate. They only communicate on a surface level. I call it puddle love. <laughs> it's only go. puddle yeah. deep. You know what I mean? It's right. just puddle deep. That's how most people want to operate. I'm like, no, let's go wade in the water, like right. the old song. You know, yep, exactly. let's go. You know what I mean? Go deep. Yeah, let's get out there, wade in this water to where you have to learn to tread. How do you learn to swim? Someone's got to get in there and help you. And you know, you learn how to swim. Right. People need to learn how to communicate. And you don't have to see a lot of people think when you're talking about conversation that like you and I, we have no problem sitting down and talking to people. Right. There's some people, they're introverted, and that's yeah. fine. It's fine. And it's okay to be you. You don't have to be talking all the time. It's not that. Right. It's about real communication. It's like really, instead of listening or speaking for someone to understand you. Right. It's you speak to be clear, right? Right, and when you listen, you listen to understand them. That's the whole point: is spend time hearing them, right? Because too many people are forming a response. So you right. just start talking. Yep. And this is one of the things. Here's my answer. You know, I already got it. The uh, the three main <laughs> paints, if you will, of of a conversation are questions, listening, and sharing. Yep. And when we get to the listening portion, I say culture has created. Passive listeners, but active responders. Yep. We're just ready to respond, like this, share this, mm-hmm. follow this. But when it comes to listening, I think our introvert friends are way ahead of extroverted mm-hmm. people like me because they're they're not willing just to respond knee-jerk. They're going to listen, and they're going to take time. But now we associate time and waiting and patience with some form of weakness or you know they're a little slow. Yeah, but actually, what they're doing is they're they're actively listening. Right, they're actively listening. They're not actively responding. 
So to be able to take a deep breath and realize, do I have to respond in this moment? No. Can I take a moment here? Yes. And that be okay? I really think would change the world. Right. And a lot of people are intimidated by a person that wants to actually talk to them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of intimidation around that mm -hmm. because people don't want to feel like they're dumb, but it goes back to that belief on the inside. Right. Like, am I valuable? Am I worth anything? And so I do believe it still goes back to that core person. Right. It's, it's you that needs to walk into the room. It's you that needs to be the one to speak, not what, not the perception you think you have and not the perception you think they have of you. It right. needs to be the true you having a real conversation. Exactly. So I just, I, I love that because it's going to go back to Always the core. Always back to the core. You cannot have a conversation with someone about yourself or what you think about something unless you know yourself. And that's not cerebral and like philosophical. I mean, very practically. Yeah, it's like, just simple. Just why, do I, why am I getting out of bed this morning? What, what do I think about myself? What words do I use to explain myself to myself? Do I give myself a break? Because if I don't give myself a break, I'm not going to give anybody else a break. Yeah. And all of those conversations come from that. And I do think, I do think that that piece of artwork that you create for yourself is the most telling. I do the public gallery, right? Yes. I, that gives me a glimpse. Yeah. But when we can chat and talk, and I hear what you tell yourself, this makes more sense. Yep. But this is what we need to work on. I'm just I'm just listening and uh, this whole idea of of actively listening and and taking it in. Um, so for me, I try to equate things to my own understanding and um, spend a lot of time in the marketing advertising world. And it's very fast paced. And there's this huge expectation of there's a lot of hurry up and wait. But then as soon as you get something, you need to be responding to it right away. And it has been a really big challenge for me to try to make that transition of just because I got an email from somebody 10 minutes ago, if I don't respond within the hour, that's okay. And it's probably better because it gives me more time to actually think about and understand what they're sending me rather than just firing something back. Mm -hmm. But I think in how our world is set up now with everything instant gratification, there is this big expectation for the quick response. And like you said, People, if somebody has to take a minute to think about a question that you ask them, you perceive that in a way that, oh, they're uninformed or they don't care, they're apathetic. Uh, so how, how do we balance that? How do we get back to, how do we balance that and how do we put some of those things back in place where it's, you know, it's okay to think Right. first yeah. before you respond. So I, I, I hear two things in that question mm -hmm. to that marketing piece. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. But once you sign that client, once they like your proposal, you need to get ready to go. Well, that is how you should be thinking about your artwork all the time. I mean, I talk to myself all the time. I talk to myself in the shower. I talk to myself in the car. I'm talking to myself right now. I'm talking to myself <laughs> in my head right now. Like everyone's just talking. And so you need to be prepared for when it's time to step up or move forward or yep. when someone says yes i like that when someone when someone says yes i affirm that that shouldn't be when you start to work mm -hmm. yeah so if you want to be the ceo if you want to be an entrepreneur if you want to create something on your own yes wait and listen but work mm -hmm. uh, yeah most you, mornings i get up at 4:50 and people yeah. are like how can you do that i'm like 
because there's there's stuff I want to do. Yeah. I, I want to be able to get these things done and I want to spend time with my kids. I mean, getting up at 450 is not a burden. It's something most days I look forward to because I want to work. And then when the time comes, remember the first time someone asked me about the art of the conversation training, how long did it take you to develop this? And I know it's cliche, but I was like my whole life, but specifically two, almost three years before anybody cared. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, why, why were you doing it? For, for me, I was, I was doing it for me. I was creating artwork for me. So the, the idea of the marketing is, yeah, but when you're ready to go, if you're not prepared, that is kind of on you. Yeah. But then the, the flip side, the, the idea of listening, leaders need to do this. Leaders need to, leaders of businesses, leaders of nonprofit, leaders of organizations, leaders in their family need to just say, hey, you know what? We're no longer going to create, we're no longer going to correlate busyness with productivity. And if there's a question that needs to be asked, Someone needs to be heard. We're going to champion the relationship first. Mm -hmm. Because if you're working in a good relationship, you're going to be more productive. Like the art of the conversation promises clear communication, deeper relationships, and greater productivity. Because I do believe when human beings are working together on the same page, having the opportunity to communicate and the respect to be heard and the margin to breathe, you will have all these other things. So it starts with leadership. Mm-hmm. It starts with the CEO. It starts with the executive director. It starts with the team leader to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to ask you if you did eight things in eight hours. I'm going to ask you what needed to be done, mm-hmm. and are we all on the same page with it? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, gosh, it's like if, if, there's, if there's compacted soil, a tree will suffer. Mm-hmm. So they have to come fracture it. I've seen them fracture the soil. A good friend of mine, Eric Schneider with Schneider Tree Care, he started that years ago, but he had this, you know, he shoots this nitrogen into the ground. It just goes, and you see the whole ground just jump up because it's breaking it because the tree starts to suffer. The roots start rising. They create what's called girdling roots around it, you know, and it chokes out because, you know, all the veins that go Go up. up. So the tree is, it's literally killing itself. And so when you're that compacted, that's what happens with work and it's congested. Mm-hmm. It's all stuffed. And I feel like that space and that letting things breathe, people then can experience the deep work. Right. People can understand then I don't lose you in the process of doing these things. You know, Megan and I are starting to do end of the week stuff. We've been, you know, we've had the privilege of doing these podcasts. You know, we have the privilege of working together in leadership and team development stuff. And we've been talking about at the end of the week, we want to look at each other and say, was our list the thing or did we did we do the deep work? Mm-hmm. Have we set ourselves up, right? right. And, and Or were we unnecessary? Like you said, bi- people will say to me, I know you're busy. I'm like, no, I'm not busy. I'm productive. Right. I hate busy. I can't, it drives me berserkoid. Mm-hmm. But I love that because that's what companies need. Then and only then when you relief Put some relief in the room. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm slightly yeah. congested from the whatever the going on with our season change. That's not happening. That's not happening. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be 77 degrees today. Yeah. And so and so the thing is, is I can take something for congestion, mm-hmm. right? I get some herbal tea or something. Mm-hmm. I can whatever I want to do to loosen up whatever is happening. That relief though helps me to do what? Breathe. Breathe. Most businesses do not breathe. Right. Mm-hmm. They're always shallow breathing out of breath. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. People are worn down and tired 
And that is, and then they take that home and then they burn people with a bad day. Right. And I, I know right from the get go, if a potential client's going to hire me or not, when they say, Hey, we want to do all your training in one day. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot. It's the equivalent of like going to the gym on January 2nd all day. (laughs) But if you want to learn how to do everything, that's fine. It's going to take, it's going to take somewhere between four to five hours. Oh, we don't have time for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you want your people to develop, right? Yes. And they always say, can you do that in two? (laughs) so i've been working on this all my life and for three years i worked on putting it on paper right and you i have it already set out the way it should be but you say can you do it in two because my 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 viewer busy there's emails you know but there's okay and i generally say if you're not ready yeah this is not you're not ready to to give the time that i'm telling you right and I, and you know, early on when you're trying to close those first couple of clients, right? We've all been there. We're like, yeah, yeah. I can do it two hours. <laughs> As a matter right. of fact, let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it right out. And then it's like, <laughs> everyone good? Okay. And you're just going. Right. And then everyone doesn't want to do it. They're like, this is so much work. Right. It, it is like going to the gym in January. Like, here's, where do you want to get to? I want to bench 200. Cool. Here's 175. Let's just start, start right there. Right there. And, the, but the companies here who see mm-hmm. the importance of, so why do and now this is why I say hey listen let's spread this over right let's let's do this over six months let's sit together let's be together let's give them enough room where you'll see the benefits as we grow which is the equivalent of like going to the gym right you're just on this plan because what the leader needs to learn and and I don't blame the CEO or the executive director yeah because they got to show up to the networking events and ask well what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing right. no one says hey how's your team being right. yeah. What's the culture like on your team? They like that when it's millions and millions of oh, dollars. Yeah. Right. But that culture started when they were, you know, scratching pennies together. Right. So I I this idea of just breathing in the art, that's why an artist, right, gets alone or mm-hmm. puts on headphones and listens to music. They take a moment to think about their artwork. They're they're not cloudy. And that's what companies, that's what communities, that's what politicians need i just wish every politician would go through the art of the conversation training because they desperately need it to be able to just to take a deep breath and say you know what i want to hear you and i'm not going to respond mm-hmm. that's yeah i love that they are just getting alone because you're inspired and influenced mm-hmm. from without mm-hmm. but you can only create create from within right that's the only way to work mm-hmm. it has to come from inside out. And then you don't have Mark Twain who said, if if you always tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what you say. Right. If you if you are always creating authentic artwork, authentic conversations with yourself, you you'll be you out there. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Megan and I've known each other for a few years. You've seen me in different settings. We've just really officially met today. But hopefully, if you asked any of my friends when I when I fully started to understand this, you know, several years ago, doesn't matter if I'm at church, doesn't matter if I'm you know, at an event or out to dinner or at the farmer's market or sitting across a table at a podcast that I, I kind of create the same artwork. Mm-hmm. Right. I am who I am because that that's what I've worked on in private. Mm-hmm. And I think just going, just to go off of something that you, you hinted at, with leaders, it's so important for them to understand whether it's working with you in this art of the conversation or doing leadership development or really if they just want to create a better, richer culture, they have to get involved. It's not something you can just hire somebody to fix for you because your company is going to look like you. And if you don't change, 
your your company isn't going to change. Right. And I think that that is that's one thing that's really difficult in the industry that that you're breaking into yep. is because when you do get those deals and you say, yeah, I can do that, especially early on, you walk away going, did I really do what I know that I could have done? And was this really the best representation of my gift and working with these people because you're trying to cram it all into this space? Right. I, I, I've even started to expectations or not rules, but this idea of when a, when a company wants to bring me in, I generally say, okay, the CEO has to be in the room. Or if a, if a specific team of a business says, yeah, we want to bring you in, I would say, good, the team leader mm-hmm. needs to be in the room. And they always say, well, you know, he's, he's really busy. I said, yeah, that, that's the point. Right. right. Because if we're going to encourage middle management or vice presidents to do this, mm-hmm. and the CEO hasn't heard it, and he's not speaking this language, and then I'm just frustrating a team. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Take time to listen. Give yourself 15 minutes on the end of each meeting. And then next week, CEO is like, why, why, why are you still in this meeting? Well, we're listening well. Yeah. yeah. So the leaders have to, have to. And if you're a young entrepreneur or you're a young professional wanting to lead this way, start doing this now. Yeah. yeah. Start doing this now so that in 20, 30 years, you've created a culture right. in your team where it's being done. And that's what you want. You want it. Every business has a soul, mm-hmm. right? And it's made up of the people. Mm-hmm. And then there's a leader. And it looks like you. <laughs> right. And Megan and I, that's one of our big pushes and the things that we work with with companies. We got to say, we say, I mean, we sit down before the deal is signed. We're like, hey, your involvement right. to the owners <laughs> or the, whoever's in charge, your involvement pretty much is the tipping point. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, they're going to be doing things. And it's just they need to be with you right. to learn. You know, we, we say to them, we're not we don't want management talk because you you manage systems and processes, not people. Right. You lead people. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can have leader managers and make them servant leader managers. But we want to eliminate all that and be in agreement up front because we know what it's like when. I don't know, would be kind of casually involved leaders. Mm-hmm. And then we know what it's like when they're really in it and they're the ones kind of They're the drivers. They're driving. Mm-hmm. Like we're we have one client right now who they're they're driving and mm-hmm. pushing for right. like in anything we have to say to them, like, okay, they're open to us, like, but we're like, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're this is we're in a Volkswagen and you're putting us on an Indy car track. Right, exactly. So let's just hold on a second. <laughs> and one of the things I like to say is you can only multiply what you model. Mm-hmm. That's right. So if you want to multiply leaders, they're gonna look at the model. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you're gonna be willing to teach. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, Well, I want that for my team, then you have to create space for you to do it for yourself. That's right. Yeah. Start there. You gotta start there because that the model, watching, being watched is what's going to give your team the confidence that this is the direction you're going. So Jonathan, uh, our show is called Uphill Conversations. And uh, I don't know if you know the story behind that, but it is because we believe that your current condition doesn't match your emerging future and that everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't get uphill with downhill habits. So I would just really be curious to know, what is an uphill challenge that you faced recently and how did you overcome that, or how are you still working towards that? It's a really good question. It's great vocal art. Um, I, I think there's like two that jump into mind. One of the uphills challenges that I'm facing right now is, like I said in the beginning, I started something called Gospel on Tap, and I started something called Hymns and Hops. And I did that, okay, so out of my belief that conversations can still change the world, 
Gospel on Tap is completely geared towards a conversation. Men get to the round table and have conversation. They answer five questions and they work through real life stuff. That's based around the conversation. I, I noticed that men, specifically established men in their careers who are busy, don't have a moment to breathe, don't have time, and are looking for a, a fun, relaxed setting to do it. Started Gospel on Tap for conversation. Started Hymns and Hops, very, very similar, right? Singing hymns is nothing more than a conversation with God, right? It's, it's all it is. You're, you're giving God a conversation. But I also wanted a space, and I love going to church. Absolutely love church. Love the church I go to. But I also wanted a space where if you didn't want to sing and you wanted to talk to someone you hadn't seen for a while, you could go talk to them. And if you wanted your kids to talk, and so Hymns and Hops, as much as it's about singing, it's about it's mainly about being together and talking to one another. The amount of resistance to both Gospel on Tap and Hymns and Hops is an uphill challenge that I'm facing even now. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it the is it the beer? Is it where it's happening? Is it the ages of people that are taking place in it? Is it, you know, what are you what precedent are you setting? Things like that. It's it's a continued uphill climb with sometimes people trying to push boulders down, down the hill on me. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that that's a big one for, from like this other part of my life. When it comes to the art of the conversation, it's believing, it's believing in the artwork. It's believing in the artwork of the art of the conversation that it matters to all people. I was asked to speak at the diversity and inclusion summit, mm-hmm. felt way over my head reading all the bios of people, you know, PhD in this, got this award, this award. And I, I remember, I don't know why I'm here. I'm glad they gave me the three o'clock time slot. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But believe, okay, you know what? I even thought like in that moment, listening to people say, okay, I'm going to add this line and I'm going to quote this person. And, and I said, you know, I just took a deep breath. I didn't go, I went to a little bit of that session before me. I took a deep breath. I walked around and I said, I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm going to be. If it flops, if it doesn't go well, if I tumble down that hill, at least I can say I did it. I, I did. I did me. Because what would have been worse is if I tried not to be me and I failed, or I tried not to be me, which might have been worse, and I succeeded. What What has surprised you the most on this journey? I think what surprised me the most was that I stepped out and did it. I know that probably sounds selfish, you know, but when I have to look internally, there's a lot of reasons not to do it. I had some health problems when I was young, health problems when I was in college. Um, none of these things created money right off the mat, right? It's not like I'm driving a, not that if someone wants to give me a Mercedes, I'll, I'll take a Mercedes <laughs> or a BMW, right? We're in, we're yeah, in the upstate. That's right. Um, but I I remember like, oh, this can cost, this can cost you money, but I believe in it. Mm-hmm. So part of the surprise was that I did it. But I think the other surprise was watching people change that it worked, that it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to the first client for the art of the conversation and, and they, they chose to do, you know, a whole year of workout in one on, on January 2nd. And I was like, Oh man. And I was like, please just don't kick me out after the first hour, mm-hmm. you know? So I think what surprised me was that it worked Be- because it came from a deep place. I, I didn't have a lot of data based around it. I definitely didn't write a thesis on it and get an A plus on it. So I'm like, okay, good. Scholars know it's true, which is fine. I I just said, this is who I am. This is personal for me. So it comes from a personal place, everything I do. So if that's what you want, that's what you're looking for. So yeah, 
I'm still surprised it works. I'm surprised when people sign up for Gospel on Tap. I'm surprised when families come out in Hymns and Hops. And I I am like gleefully surprised when people are like, let's bring the art of conversation to our my business or my organization. And and knowing I can look them square in the eye and go, I believe this can work. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in dozens of other people's lives. So let's get to work. What are three things you're optimistic about over the next 12 months? I'm optimistic that sadly, even you know, yesterday, we're seeing tragedy after tragedy happen, whether it's national or uh, hurricanes and national disasters and shootings. One of the things I'm optimistic about is that people are going to start coming together for conversations. And like you said earlier, it grieves me to no end that we had to wait for tragedy to happen for us to be able to start talking. So I am optimistic that it, that we're going to see more conversations happening. I'm also optimistic that that I think relationships are going to get deeper because of differences, not because of similarities. Mm. My my five group, like my five friends, right, five people I spend most time with, don't look at all like each other, both like internally with their profession, but even externally. So I think we're going to start valuing differences more rather than looking for similarities. And then I, th- I think this is realistic more than optimistic, but I do believe, I do believe that the more conversations we have and the better relationships that we have, we're going to see a brand new world, brand new Greenville, brand new upstate, um, brand new businesses, doing businesses differently. And I do believe optimistically and if if cities and towns and counties start to change, it's just going to work its way up. I'm done looking to the top and wondering when it's going to come down. Mm-hmm. So I'm optimistic that when we get to work, things will change. You know, it's funny. Everyone at the top came from the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? In other words, they How quickly were born they in the house. You know, they lived in a town, in a community, in a state, or, you know, wherever they came from, in a nation. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what people forget. Right. So I tell people, turn around from where you are and drive all the way back and, and find out, you know, go back to like, I try to do this. I will like when I go to Connecticut, I go look at the house I grew up in. I just do it. Right. Because we need to remember where we've come from. I mean, what's behind me is only information. Yeah, I got marked by some things, but I'm not defined by them. Right. Do you, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that, that's what I, I try to get people to do. And I love that, that those those optimist those optimistic points that you have those things that you see that is creating and i believe this i believe you know i believe in saying things because we have creation in our mouths mm-hmm. like we can speak these things these truths right. call a kid an idiot all day long and that child grows up believing that right you know you know what i'm saying oh, yeah. so we don't understand the power of these words that's why i have on, on my tattoo sound is light right. it's just that slower cycles yep. and it actually has a lot more pressure yep light doesn't have the pressure that sound does we hear with pressure mm-hmm. not with light right you, do you understand what i mean yeah. and so that's the like there's power in that and i believe we've got to start being those people to speak out to create what doesn't already exist yet exactly that's how whether you believe the universe is doing it god's doing it whatever those things are programmed to come to us mm-hmm. but we have to start talking that way we have to start talking that way even today with my 3 year old and i've started to do this i've heard other people say it i've just brought it down to 
how I like to say it is I call Titus, my three-year-old, almost four. I'm like, hey, you're a little man. You're a leader. Your brothers are following you. Leaders go first. Leaders set the example. And I, someone heard me say that. And they're like, why would you tell your three-year-old that? Because you know when, you know when a, a boy becomes a man? I only have boys. I'm not, saying, I'm not a female, and I don't have girls. So I know boys. <laughs> so we got if this someone calls in now. and says, well, don't, don't you, shouldn't you say this to women? I'm like, yes. I have three boys. And I said, a, a boy becomes a man when somebody he looks up to tells him he's a man. Do I still call them my boys? Yeah, of course. But when I'm having a serious conversation with my three-year-old, I'm like, hey, you're, you're, you're a little man and you're a leader. And he's going to hear that all the way until he's 18. Yep. And hopefully beyond that. And I tell him I'm proud of him. Do It doesn't mean that he doesn't have consequences, but just imagine what would happen if that's how we started raising mm-hmm. kids. And I think that's so important too, even with little girls. I mean, I, I've got two girls and I've, I've said this many times on the podcast, but I mean, don't, my little girl is not bossy. She is strong willed and she's a leader. You know, she has executive leadership potential. So I, I really make it a point to, to talk to her like she is a leader and, um, and even that whole idea of listening, trying to understand, uh, why is she behaving the way that she is rather right. than just telling her not to exactly i think is really important and um, i've learned some good tips from tim as well so i'll give him a little bit of credit for that just about this much, this much. <laughs> and hearing and if so like if a ceo is listening to this and you're wondering about your young professional and you know why his attitude the way it is or why he does things the way he does go spend some time hear his story because if he grew up hearing you're never it's never enough you're a failure mm-hmm. oh you scored 29 you needed 32 to win the game mm-hmm. Like if he's heard that his whole life and now he's 28 in your business, all he probably needs is a little affirmation and, and the game is going to change right? For, for him. And and now you're leading. Now you're modeling something that will be multiplied. Right. And then if you're like I was, a millennial who had all this kind of, I had great parents, great family, but you had, you know, you got those pains. If you're not willing to create that artwork in private and get that out with your close friends and talk about those things so that it can be in essence, pushed over and moved beyond or climbed the hill, then you're going to continue to carry it. You know, I tell people all the time, behavior follows belief. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, HR is important, but they're doing, they're trying to do behavior modifications. They're trying to do corrections. Mm-hmm. We need, and that's why I think we all share the same, Jonathan, what you do and what Megan and I do, we're in the people business in the sense that we want to get into the belief system of how not just they're that they're productive right. and that they can work right. because no person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with how they view themselves. Exactly. And so they're at work with that problem and we're worried about their behavior and production. Right. We need to focus a little bit more. And I'm not talking about just, you know, oh, we got this appointment for you. We can do this. I mean, work's got to still be done. Right. But we need to, as you said, it it takes five minutes to hear a story. Right. Just to sit down and like, someone was giving a talk the other day. And I said, they said, can you help me? It's my first one. And I'm doing, it's a private school. And um, she helps me with my soccer team. She, I've been coaching her kid all the way up to a certain age here as well. And so we were, she was like, can you help me? And so we were on the phone and she was telling me all this stuff. I was like, okay, too many things. I said, what's the story that you want to tell? She told me what it was. I said, good. And what's the main point? Just tell that one story. And because it was for this fundraising, 
And it was her being a single mom with four kids and her whole situation and how the legacy started from her grandfather. Right. And here she is coming from a private school. Her kids are in private school. She never thought she'd be able to afford it. And she's in there. And it took people like you in the room who've done this to help make legacy. And the teacher that taught that my dad, my grandpa who taught this teacher is teaching my little girl now. Right. Just that's legacy. And it comes from how you guys gave. They had a great fundraising. Yeah. Just from that little, and she only had 15 minutes. Right. And that's how you learn. And now that whole room, any space between who they didn't know and who they are has been closed. Right. Because now they have a story. And story is the best artwork we create in a conversation. Right. It, it is your story or stories, but your story is your best artwork. And that's why it's so important to know it, own it, love it, and share it as often as possible. And when you get to share you, it's the best artwork you can create. It's awesome. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. Uh, it would be awesome if you could let our listeners know how they can connect with you. Great. So the easiest way to connect with me is email, artoftheconversation at gmail.com. Shoot me an email over there. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, at Create Vocal Art on Twitter, and then Facebook, Art of the Conversation, and then Jonathan Parker on LinkedIn. Thank you for being on the show, Uphill Conversations. Okay, that, this was great. And we'll have to hang out. Yes, we'll have to ha hang out. And People chat more. brought us together. It was like we were being match made. <laughs> yeah, and look, we didn't need an app for it either. We, we didn't need people. Yeah. People had to have a conversation. Would you have swiped left or right on it? <laughs> you're just, you're just, we're going to have to have a follow up conversation. I don't feel like I need to decide so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you. This has been great, man. Been great. Thank um, you for having me. So, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversation. Always remember you can be more, do more, and have more. Your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and for no one else to do so. Um, always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see people like me, Megan, and Jonathan on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.